Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. We have a very special guest here on the Hoop Talk Podcast today. Please welcome our good friend, Tommy Parker. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm a big fan. So, Tommy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Tommy, as Ryan has stated. I'm a senior at Towson University. I consider myself to be an avid basketball fan. Uh, I'm just an everyday guy. I like hoops as much as the next guy. I like other stuff, but that's not too important for this conversation now, is it? <laughs> so you, you were talking with me before the show about your Blazers, your love for the Portland Trail Blazers. Yes. Tell us about how you became a Blazers fan. Yeah, so I was – I always liked basketball. I never really had a specific team. I mean, I'd root for the Wizards because they were the hometown team. I still, like, cheer for them and want them to do well. But I believe it was 2011 during the NCAA March Madness uh, when Lehigh beat Duke. Uh, C.J. McCollum – went off. We all know the kind of crazy game he had. Uh, my mom's father went to Lehigh and after watching him play and I followed him his next year or two at Lehigh before he went pro, I decided wherever he got drafted, I was going to be a fan of them because I had never really had a set team. And lucky enough for me, he went to the Trailblazers and got teamed up with rookie of the year, Damian Lillard. And we all know the kind of uh, havoc They've wreaked on the league as a backcourt. So I definitely got lucky with that. So Portland was definitely a threat in this year's bubble. They weren't even in the playoff picture to begin with. And yet somehow they went from 10th place to the eighth seed and making it into the playoffs and facing the Lakers. How did you feel when Portland came back and they were able to grab the eighth seed and then take game one against the Lakers? That was awesome. That was really exciting. Uh, heading into the bubble, logistically speaking, I was nervous. I mean, no one knew what to expect when the bubble started, how teams were going to play, how players were going to prepare or not prepare. Like I was talking with uh, one of my other friends and we were saying how Tyler Hero really, I think, took advantage of the shutdown better than anyone else. Because don't get me wrong, he's a hooper and he proved that in the playoffs and throughout the bubble but he he wasn't playing that well during the regular season so heading into the bubble I didn't know what kind of players were going to be preparing like that and what kind of players were just going to mail it in and show up for their check I mean you hope people weren't doing that but it's always a possibility and also MLB season was getting started when uh, the bubble was kicking off and games were getting shut down because of COVID. So I was worried that the uh, coronavirus was going to make its way into the NBA bubble and things were going to get shut down there. But thankfully that didn't happen. But from a basketball standpoint, I was confident. I mean, the Blazers were a couple games back. They were the 10th seed, but I think they were more talented than the other teams. What was it? The Grizzlies, Pelicans, Suns, Kings, and Spurs. 
and they had the experience. They were in the Western Conference Finals the year before. Obviously, it wasn't the result we would have liked getting swept by the Warriors, but we knew they knew, obviously. Not we, I'm not part of the team. They knew what it was like playing in that kind of a situation with their backs against the wall with that kind of postseason experience. So I was confident as a fan that them as a team would get through. And once they finally did it, that was exciting watching all those seeding games. I mean, even the loss to the Celtics was a close one and the Clippers was a close one. And you got to love NBA Twitter and the beef that came out of that. That's always a good time. And then game one against the Lakers, I thought that was awesome. But also the Lakers clinched the first seed pretty early in the bubble. So they just kind of coasted. And I think that was the wake up call they really needed because obviously no one can match up with LeBron. Especially, it would have been nice if the Blazers had Trevor Ariza in the bubble, but no one on any team can match up with LeBron. And if you can try and slow him down, you still have AD, who's going to win that big man matchup nine times out of ten, no matter who he plays. So it was exciting, and I think next year is going to be good, and there's still a bright future. Gary Trent played really well, but it's hard to beat those Lakers, and they proved that by winning the ship. I mean, you know, if you listen to the podcast enough, I'm probably like the biggest Memphis Grizzlies supporter ever. So watching your trailblazers come up and, you know, take the eight seed away, it hurt my soul a little bit. I was pretty much the main person clamoring on the podcast for John Morant being the uh, rookie of the year. Obviously, that was done unanimously, except for the one person that will go unnamed on Twitter. But other than them, um, pretty much. It was a consensus, and I genuinely believe that although they were a younger team, that I felt like they could hold it down. But I think their youth was exactly what hurt them, and it goes back to what Tommy said beforehand. Like, I think the Trailblazers were just built for it. Like, if you look at it, like the Suns impressed us going eight and zero in the um eight and zero through the entire stretch. But the biggest thing for them really was just they were just too far back. And then the tiebreaker thing with them was difficult. The Grizzlies, I feel like their youth kind of showed in terms of letting games go because they lost a lot of games that were relatively within hand or at least should have been better matchups than what they were. I think the Pelicans folded. I, I just I just genuinely believe they sold because with them barely playing Zion, it seemed like they were putting themselves in a position to not win instead of a position to actually win. And I think the Spurs were probably the scariest team throughout that entire time because they were the ones that we weren't talking about. That, like, if you had just kind of, like, closed your eyes and said, what team did you expect? I feel like the first thing I would think of is, well, what team uh, has Greg Popovich on it? Because, I mean, you know, that's a pretty good place to lean at when you're talking about making a good little stretch towards the end of the season going into the playoffs. So the Trailblazers did their thing. But I'll say this, anybody who was surprised – was it listening to Damian Lillard during the quarantine time? Because he pretty much made it clear that if the season was to restart, give him a chance and see what, and you will see exactly what he will do. And he was pretty much bubble MVP outside of, I know a lot of clamoring was for TJ Warren with how crazy he was going. But I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't TJ, it was Damian Lillard and really the next person after that didn't even feel close. So I mean, I wasn't shocked as much as I would have loved the Grizzlies to lock it down. I honestly thought that the Trailblazers were a better option or a better matchup going against the Lakers too, which is why, uh, Ryan, if I don't, if I didn't forget, I think we actually both sneaky picked them to beat the Lakers in seven. And that game one got us extremely hype and we got humbled pretty quick. 
but I think they they showed us a lot with the fact that like now being like fully healthy or at least coming into that bubble, they were a lot more healthy than obviously what we saw throughout the season. That means they're like one of the scariest teams coming out the West next year. Like it's like not even debatable because they showed us what they're like when they're, when they're at full strength and especially when their backs against the wall, like golly. And especially when you have guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on your team, I think that it automatically gives you a chance to contend in the West. We also saw a guy like Yusuf Nurkic really turn it up in the bubble because he was scoring. He had that amazing game against the the Grizzlies. And then game one, of course, against the Lakers, I think he really put the team on the map to say that the Blazers are for real. Now, going back to the regular season, they had a lot of injuries and – they weren't as good as people would have thought. And Tommy, I kind of want to get your thoughts because I feel like if guys like Zach Collins and Nurkic and Lillard and McCollum all didn't have to deal with injuries, they could have been a better team in the West. I think they could have had a better record in the West. So which injury do you think hampered the success of the Blazers the most? I think Nurkic – like you guys said, him coming back and being healthy for the bubble was awesome. I mean, Hassan Whiteside did a great job filling in. He was the big man presence they needed throughout the regular season. But behind him, when there was no Nurkic and no Collins, he didn't really have much help inside. So that really hampered them. So I think having Nurkic be healthy full time, I mean, we've seen what he can do. I mean, he just... He fits that Portland attitude, too. He, he plays as an underdog. He got traded out of uh, Denver for Jokic, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jokic is a top two or three big man in the league, but that still puts the chip on uh, Nurkic's shoulder, and so he's going to play tough. And I think having Collins back, he improves every year. He's got the ability to stretch outside and hit the deep ball. And, I mean, always with Dame and CJ, they're, they're the top two guys – I mean, I have a little bias. I'd say they're the best backcourt in the league, especially with uh, Steph and Clay being hurt this year. Uh, but them being healthy and 100% is always huge because they can go toe-to-toe with anyone. But having a big man alongside of them, whether that be Nurkic or Zach Collins, if one of them are healthy, preferably both of them, then that's a huge advantage because you need size. I guess mine would – I mean, if, if – personally, I thought Hassan Whiteside did his thing for in terms of, like, you know, covering the time frame that Yusuf was out. And I think that adding Yusuf to having Hassan Whiteside already playing well kind of just boosted things. I would say the guy that I was, like, the most worried about after things took place was Rodney Hood. Like, his injury was also, like, ugly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was one of those that wasn't even, like, good to look at. Granted, you don't want to see anybody get injured, but, like, that was one of those where you kind of knew before they – like, even before he knew, you could kind of just feel it. Like, ooh, that's going to be his season for sure. And if there's anything we know about the league nowadays is that there's, like, a multitude of different ways to build a championship team. But the ones that people rely on the most is obviously your ability to shoot the three Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, obviously kind of lined that up along with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, like pretty much revolutionized shooting from distance. But then the other thing is having, you know, two way wings 
that can produce on both sides of the floor, be able to give you 15, 20 points per game, but also be able to maybe not lock up defensively, but at least guard the the the, the entirety of the the backcourt. And Rodney Hood was a guy who could cover one through three, shot the three relatively well. He was their other shot creator, which like when anybody scouts the Trailblazers, they go Dame, CJ, then you got to kind of wonder, you know what I mean? Then it's the kind of a question of who wants to be that guy. And down the stretch, it turned into Carmelo Anthony during the bubble. But during the entirety of the year, oh, yes, sir. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But throughout the regular season, uh, at least uh, prior beforehand, like Rodney Hood was kind of that guy that it was anticipated to be. I think my main thing, Tommy, I'm going to ask you this. Where in the world did Gary Trent Jr. come from? Like, dude, I know, look, I, I felt pretty good about him coming out of Duke and I felt like the Trailblazers was a really interesting fit for him considering the fact that they already have the guards that they have. But like, I, I don't know if he just, I don't know if he was eating Wheaties the entire time they were on quarantine or what, but my dude came back looking like he was in the gym every day and he was a two-way player the entire time. So like, what do you think Gary Trent can be for this team like moving forward? Yeah, he, he's definitely one of those guys, like I said about Tyler Hero earlier. I mean, Tyler Hero was playing, like, Gary Trent Jr. had a lot of, like, DNPs on the box scores throughout the season. Like, he was just that guy waiting. But I think he really used that shutdown time to really work on his craft. And he was always a two-way guy at Duke. I mean, he can always shoot, which is, like you said, it's what people look for. And the Blazers really need that three, especially after Hood. I mean, he's more of a two, but the way guards play now, he can go two or three. I think he can be a starter on this team. I mean, he was more of a closer down the stretch. He'd play those late minutes. He'd hit big shots for you. He'd play some defense. But I think down the road, I mean, depending on how Rodney Hood looks after that injury and how long it takes him to recover, and obviously there's the draft and free agency and everything. But if he's not starting at the three I think he can definitely be a sixth or seventh man on this team like next guy up and learning behind Dame and CJ seeing the way it kind of took them a little bit of time to develop and like get the recognition they deserve I think that was really helpful for him because like I said he had those DMPs and he was just waiting to get that chance and once he got it on a big stage like the bubble he really just shined and I think it was a lot of fun to watch I mean because I'd always see him, you know, league fits, styling on the sideline in his suits when he wasn't dressed to play. But then when he finally suited up and he got to lace up those shoes and put on the jersey, he really just went all for it. And I, I'm excited to see what him and Anthony Simmons can do down the line because both of them are young guys who learn after Damon CJ, who are some of the best two guys to learn about, to learn from. So I'm, I'm definitely excited. I think there's a high ceiling for them. And I think the Blazers, top to bottom, are a really good team. And, again, I think the injuries really hurt the team overall. But I feel like with everybody healthy, they're probably a top three team in the West, I would think. And I remember we did the PTI segment in college at uh, Dr. Powers' class. And I remember calling out – Tommy after Carmelo Anthony was signed. I was in support of Carmelo Anthony and 
I saw Tommy was shaking his head in support over there as well. What sort of addition has Carmelo made to this team? He's got, obviously, like, once you're out one or two years, you're considered a veteran, but he's got that real veteran mentality. I mean, he's been around it all. He came up with LeBron and D-Wade. He came out of Baltimore, tough place to come out of. I mean, I know Dame's from Oregon or Oakland. Uh, he really has that kind of killer mentality. And I hate that, you know, analytics are such a big part of sports now. But some dude with a calculator told you Carmelo couldn't play defense, so he lost a whole <laughs> season or two. It's like he's not out there to play defense. Like he'll get some stops for you, which he showed in the bubble. He was picking pockets. He was blocking shots. But he's there to hit the big shot. He's there to create. That's his style of play. He's never been a real lockdown defender. I mean, he can, he can stop you, but he's not out there to play defense, let's be honest. And, I mean, not everyone is. It's not everyone's job to be that shutdown guy, which I hated the fact that he wasn't in the league for so long and that he kind of got blackballed. But I love the fact that he ended up in Portland. I mean, he's been that guy. It's like they brought him in, and he really proved why he belongs in the NBA, why he's a future Hall of Famer. He's the next guy. Like like Jalen said, down the stretch, it ended up being him. But it was Dame, CJ, and then Melo. You just go right down. They can all create. They can all hit the big shot. They're all good teammates. They're looking to dish the ball. They just want to win, and he's got a winner's mentality, and he really – really brought that extra edge to Portland, I think, because before they only had really two guys that you had to worry about. The rest, you kind of shuffle around your defense and slide and make stops. But now with Carmelo, it's that three-headed monster that you really got to game plan for and figure out how you're going to stop them. I mean, I was pretty hype about Melo going to the Trailblazers, to be honest with you. But that's mainly because I thought, like, like Tommy, I'm going to just go based on what you said. Yeah, dude, they had somebody in the lab just poking stuff into the computer and said Carmelo Anthony wasn't a good player. And I was just like, you, you guys you guys don't understand, do you? You just, you just don't get it. Because although here's the most interesting thing about even that, right, is he got cut from the Houston Rockets right as he his, his play was starting to pick up. That's the most interesting thing about it was like as he was actually starting to kind of feel within the role he was given, he was actually improving and they just kind of didn't even let the ball run and they, they cut it before things could actually even get moving. So I think the Trailblazers got the benefit off that a ton. I think the biggest thing for them was when bringing, in, bringing him in, I think they have expectations for themselves that – Carmelo Anthony understands in terms of what he believes he can bring to a team. I think everything that they expect their team to have, he felt as though he could mold in that, and they felt as though he could fit within that kind of puzzle piece that they they didn't have beforehand. So, I mean, you know, the biggest question is, like, do they retain him? There's all this talk about, like, him, CP3, and LeBron James all ending up on the Lakers, and I'm just like, okay, I, I hope you guys can make the money work because, like, <laughs> that's going to be a little complicated. But I think if they retain him, I think he's going to still be able to play a huge role. I think being able to get Rodney Hood and Gary, Gary Trent Jr. now, like, really improving his play, I think that's a really solid squad. I think they'll still have Hassan Whiteside through this year. And Yusuf Nurkic is locked down pretty good. So, I mean, I think they're solid. And Carmelo Anthony just kind of adds on to that. I think 
the the question we kind of have to ask because we understand their roster is solid, but like Tommy, what do you think they need to do this offseason to get better though? Because this is a team that we didn't get to see full strength until it was like too late. So like, do you really feel like there's anything they need to do to shake up their roster? I know you've probably been sick of people like on TV going, should they split Damon CJ up? Is it time to split the duo up? Like. Like we're like, what do you think they should do to get better? Because clearly, I don't, I don't think they have a ceiling yet. Every year, they got a little bit further in the playoffs than the next. So, like, what do you think they should do going into twenty twenty one? Yeah, I think number one, keep Dame and CJ together. They're so good together, and I mean, people think you need to split them up because they don't get it done. But look who they've had to go through in the West every year. It's been Clay and Curry been LeBron and AD it's been two superstars together that are kept together and that's what helps them get that far I mean you might be able to get some good returns on one of them but I don't think it's anything better than what you have obviously you know Giannis rumors are flying around about him getting out of Milwaukee who would say no to Giannis that would be awesome (laughs) but realistically I mean Jay Crowder like the way he played for Miami down the stretch, he's another one of those wing, like three and D guys who, I mean, he's not going to shut down LeBron. He's not going to shut down Clay Thompson. He's not going to go out there and stop your best second best player, but he's going to slow them down. He's going to turn like 25 points a game into like 19 or 20, which sometimes that's all it takes is a couple points. And his three-point shot looked really good throughout the playoffs. He was hitting the open shots, which is what you need to do in the NBA. You know, when an opportunity is given to you, you just got to capitalize on it. And he really shined. He helped Jimmy and uh, Bam really play good defense on that Miami team, which helped them get really far to the finals. So a guy like that would be cool. I mean, Giannis, obviously, everyone's first choice. But I think he's restricted, or does he have one more year? Well, he has one more year, but you guys have a pretty good amount of assets if you wanted to trade for him. Like, you could definitely go for it. How much of your team you would have to gut is probably, like, the question. But, like, you guys definitely have some – because, like, Simons is there. I mean, Gary Trent, although we like him, like, that's another guy. Obviously, Hood coming off of injury. You guys do have a draft pick this year. I mean, Hassan, like, you could sweeten it up if you wanted it to. Like, it's just a question of, like, how much depth would you guys be giving up for Giannis? And, like, then it's like, do you care? Because, I mean, it's Giannis, like you said before. Yeah, it's – I mean, you can't you can't deny his talent. I'm not going to say whether him or LeBron should have won MVP this year or not. But he's now perennial back-to-back MVP, future – Hall of Famer if his career continues to go the way that it's gone thus far. And he just – he improves every year too. So he's someone who would be worth giving up a lot for. But realistically speaking, I think a good 3-and-D defensive wing like Jay Crowder. I mean, I've been, I've been looking at him. I think I told Ryan that earlier. We were talking a little bit about free agency. I said that's a guy I'm looking at. I mean, the free agency – depth isn't super deep this year and I don't know if Jay Crowder would leave Miami after the season they just had but if he's looking he's a guy who I would target if I was Portland I mean if I were Portland I would just try to be as healthy as possible for this year I mean this team is stacked 
like I said, from top to bottom, I mean, your starting lineup consists of two great guards, like a great guard duo. You have a solid big man in Nurkic. You still have Carmelo Anthony, who has been playing his best. Considering the fact that he just hit like two game winners in the bubble, your bench is pretty solid with a white side coming off the bench, Gary Trent, Rodney Hood. I think there's a lot of like assets that you have in Portland that I don't think you'd want to get rid of them considering that this is probably one of the better Portland teams of their existence. Because I mean, I think this team may is maybe as good as the early 2000s teams with Rasheed Wallace and Damon Steinmeier. I feel like this team has that potential to reach the Western conference finals, possibly go to the finals this time. It all just comes down to how healthy this team is. Yeah. Health is huge. I mean, yeah, like Melo sticking around would be awesome. The impact that he's had, the clutch gene that I guess people thought he lost, but has always been there and healthy. Yeah. Just hit the weights. No, like pick up this summer. No, I guess not summer. I don't know. Have they announced when the season's going to start back up again? Have they They're shooting for like season? January, but I mean, you know, it's it's dicey. We they just I get it looks like they're just trying to get past the draft and figure the rest out yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. I mean, they're probably not playing, but even if they were, no Drew League, no summer leagues, <laughs> no kind of that stuff. Stay away from any kind of contact injuries you can have. Keep the boys healthy. Keep them safe. Yeah, like you said, I like the core there. It reminds me of uh when they first started making runs back when CJ was a sixth man. It was like. Dame, Wesley Matthews, Nick Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge, like Chris Kamen. I mean, that was just a fun team. That was a sleeper 2K ultimate team right there. <laughs> and, like, that's when they really started making moves and getting to the playoffs and playing well. And, yeah, I, I think since then, I mean, that was a fun team, but since then they've just gotten better and better. And, like you said now, I mean, like top to bottom – They've got hoopers. They've got – they can compete. I mean, I like – they're definitely a playoff team, perennial playoff team, but Warriors are going to be healthy this year. you got the Lakers who are probably going to bring everyone, if not almost everyone, back because who would want to leave L.A., especially after you just won a championship? Still got LeBron, still got AD. The Clippers, I'm not a big PG guy. Mostly because when Dane bounced him, he said, it's a bad shot. And then the beef this year. I mean, I respect him, but they gave up more first-round picks for him than he made field goals in that game seven against the Nuggets, which I think is a fun stat. (laughs) But, I mean, they're still a good team. Like, you still got Kawhi. I mean, they'll have to bring back Trez. Uh, Still got Lou Will. But they're still a good team. Nuggets showed that they're – they're going to be around, and their time is now also. Jazz, we'll see if Mitchell wants to stick around there after the whole Rudy Gobert debacle and how that all went down. But, yeah, I think Blazers are right in the heart of it in the Western Conference. They're, they're sticking around, and they're here to stay. So you were mentioning a lot of the great teams in the league right now, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Jazz. Jalen's Grizzlies. They got a great future, too. Their young core, Morant, Brooks, Brandon Clark, they're going to be fun. They're going to be dangerous for the Blazers, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. 
I think it just adds to the chaos now because New Orleans is really good as well with Zion and Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram's coming up, Jackson Hayes. That team's going to be dangerous. And now they have Stan Van Gundy. So mm-hmm. the West is getting even more challenging and kind of the reason why I don't think LeBron is going to go back to back, but we'll save that for another day. So we recently did a preseason top five power ranking. Our lists were very different from each other. But we decided that we wanted you to come up with a top five, a preseason power ranking of the top five teams going into Ooh. next season. Putting you on the spot, Tommy. We had yeah. to come with some heat Man. if you go you got you gotta come with some heat if you go sit in a chair. This wasn't in the uh, this wasn't in the topic sheet that I got <laughs> episode. All right. Lakers number one. As good as the other teams in the West are. The Lakers just won it, and until they play, they have the right to defend what's theirs. I'll go Warriors, too, just because Clay and Steph are going to be back. That's just a scary team. I, I don't like them being in the Western Conference at all. Uh, it's a little more fair now that KD isn't there, but still not, not a fun team to have to play. Um... Nuggets at three. I I really like the way they played. Jamal Murray showing he's a superstar right next to Jokic, who's already a proven superstar. Kind of want to say Nets at number four. See what KD and Kyrie can do together. I mean, they're both just so talented, and it doesn't matter who KD has by his side. He's going to Oop, and he's going to will a team to a lot of wins, but having Kyrie right there and Karis LeVert, I mean, they were kind of back in their seventh seed this year. They're like not playing that great, but they were still competitive. I mean, they still won games. I mean, they came down with to the bubble with half of their team pretty much because everyone wanted to opt out and they still won games. I mean, that game eight, against the Blazers that the Blazers needed to win came down to the very end. They had a lead late, but Dame willed it out. So I think having Kyrie healthy the whole year and having KD healthy the whole year, I put them at four. Give me the Blazers at number five. We can't, we can't go on talking about the Blazers and the future and the core they have. I can't leave them out of the top five. It's the boys rip city, baby. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Yo, Ryan, first of all, first of all, shout out to the boy Tommy for coming up with that off the dome. That was a no notes. He So he did his thing. But here's what we got to do, because we got to point on some of those. Ryan, we got to we got to pull some of those out. First of all, he respected the Lakers. So so if you haven't heard the episode already, Tommy. This man, Ryan, put the Lakers at three. He has no belief. He has very little belief in the Lakers. Can you please educate this man, Ryan, on why the Lakers, at least for now, should be at number one? Please for me. They're the NBA champs. They're the best team in the league. Like, I get, like, you got, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with free agency in the draft and what other teams are going to do. And I mean, obviously, the Warriors weren't healthy and it's a Mickey Mouse ring. I don't want to hear any of that shit. LeBron's the GOAT. He's the best player of all time. 80s best big man in the league right now and if they're sticking together it doesn't matter who else they put out on the court 
They're the best team in the league. I I hate to ruin your take here, but I'm uh, going to have to crash the party. <laughs> Tommy, outside of LeBron and AD, can you name who a third? Can you name the third option? It alternated, and that's what's beautiful about them. Kuzma, I hate to say it, Kuzma played well. He had some good games. The boy Alex Caruso balled out. Markeith Morris, Dwight Howard. But that's the thing. They didn't really need to have a third option with their first two. They just needed guys who, like I said, will hit the open shot, which Danny Green couldn't. But he's still got enough rings to back him up before this. But they got KCP even – I mean – he had a slow start in the playoffs, but he really picked it up down the stretch. Rondo, playoff Rondo, you can never bet against playoff Rondo. I mean, they didn't really need a third guy, which is, I mean, with LeBron and AD, they're one, two, three, and four by themselves. So they just needed a fifth option, which they had plenty of. <laughs> so I see where you're coming from, but this supporting cast was awful. Avery Bradley, I thought, for the most part, was the third option. And I know there were a bunch of people who were having good games that made good cases for the third option, like Caruso, Kuzma, Morris. My biggest thing with the Lakers was that this entire team was just LeBron and Anthony Davis. I feel like if LeBron never got Anthony Davis, this team would not nearly be as good as what they were this year. I think if LeBron and Anthony Davis weren't there, this will be just another team in the West. This would just be another bad Lakers team in the West. This is arguably the worst team I've ever seen to win the finals. Ian Evans made a good case for the 94-95 Rockets being the worst team to ever win the finals. Okay, put Hakeem Olajuwon, Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell, and Vernon Maxwell on the floor against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the rest of the squad. If I'm putting those two teams together, I'm not betting on the Lakers. I'm betting on the 94-95 Rockets, who pretty much would have beaten the Chicago Bulls if Jordan had not retired early. You got that one, Chief. <laughs> I'm going to let, let you slide on that one. That's going to have to – Tommy, we're going to have to bring you back on for that one, Chief. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to do a little bit more research Look, behind that one. The, the other thing I think that that team had that this team didn't was a supporting cast. I mean, I put Brooklyn at number one because, let's face it, if you have KD and Kyrie on the same team, that's a deadly duo you want to have. I think because this team was injured going into this past season, that team was not as good. I know Kyrie was healthy for the first couple games. He had 50 points against the Timberwolves almost finished the game off with a move from NBA street, but that team was not going to win the championship. This team this year with three all-stars and a great player in Karis Levert, I think that team could beat the Lakers. Okay. But see, here's another thing, Tommy, you had golden state at what two, right? You're you're gonna have another set of beef that I'm gonna let you save. I'm gonna let you handle with Ryan. This man, this man, Ryan, he don't even got Golden State in his top five. Honorable Golden mention. State is not in his top five. Now it was like you said, it was an honorable mention. Um, just to kind of give you a rundown of what his was, it was Brooklyn one, Miami Heat two, Lakers three, Boston four, and Milwaukee five. So 
It was a close. It was a close honorable mention. Mm-hmm. But what do you think that Golden State brings next year? Because I agree with you. I had them at two as well. What do you think is the catch-22 about Golden State that, like, if there's people sleeping on them, they need to wake up. And if there's people that are hype about Golden State, they have a really good reason to be. I mean, the last five years before <laughs> this last season, that's all you really need to know. I mean, Steph, best shooter in NBA history. Clay. Very good, too. I'd probably say top five, if not top ten, shooter in NBA history. Also, I hate to say it because Draymond Green is a great defender. He's a perfect role player for that system because he doesn't need to score all the points. He's fine setting the picks and distributing the ball. I mean, Eric Paschal had a great season this year as a rookie made what all rookie first team second team mm-hmm. first team mm-hmm. first team he beat up the blazers once or twice i really and i mean jordan Poole's coming into his own i think that's a great fit for him there too because he's deep sharp shooter like he was at michigan if he can find his stroke find his range he's going to fit into that offense perfectly and they just their style of play just made the NBA what it is today. Just set screens, run around, shoot threes. I mean, get a big man inside who can clean up the misses and put it back, which they haven't really had a problem with filtering guys in, but now they got Pascal down there who's going to be a force for them this year too. And it's just, I mean, all you got to do is go back and look at the records, look at the tape, look at the highlights, look at the rings. Like KD was there for two, but like, Obviously, he's one of the greatest players ever, but they still would have been fine without him. They were fine before him. They were great with him, and they'll still be good after him. And they have Andrew Wiggins in the second overall pick as trade chips, so they might not be able to get a KD with that, but they can sure as heck get something close enough, if you can call that somebody, (laughs) which is kind of huge too. So, I mean – Ryan, explain, maybe not why they're honorable mentions, but, like, explain your belief in the Golden State Warriors. Because we understand that, like, pretty much the reason why you didn't put them in the top five is just you ran out of space. Like, you know, that's just basically what happened. So, like, what is your belief in the Golden State Warriors, like, in terms of coming to this season? Because I know one of your biggest things with Brooklyn was them coming back healthy and coming back full strength, but also having a supporting cast. I feel like Golden State is somewhat similar in their circumstances as well, but they might have a lesser supporting cast than maybe what Brooklyn does. But, like, where do you stand on, like, their team, like, as a full-fledged-out roster? The thing is with Golden State, and I, I love Golden State. Steph Curry is a great player. Clay Thompson is one of the best shooters in the league. Draymond's turning out to be a great defender. The way I made my list was the teams who I thought were the biggest threat to win the NBA championship or take it away from the Lakers. Brooklyn is number one because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, they have a solid supporting cast. Um, if they were healthy, they probably could have won it this year. I look at Golden State and their roster pretty much was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein at the beginning of the season, D'Angelo Russell at the beginning of the season. But then I looked outside the team after the injuries who else was on their team? I would take Brooklyn's supporting cast over Golden State's current supporting cast. I think that Brooklyn has 
better players on their team than Golden State does right now. I'm not saying Golden State's a bad team. I put them as my honorable mention because I think Milwaukee is slightly better than them. And basically Giannis is maybe last chance to win a championship in Milwaukee. It's like their do or die season. But Golden State right now, I don't think has the the pieces right now to win a championship. They have Steph, they have Clay, they have Andrew Wiggins, they have Draymond. Outside of that, yes, they have Eric Pascal and they have Damian Lee, but are we going to rely on the, those guys to take you into late game stretches if guys like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry foul out? Same thing with Brooklyn. If KD or Kyrie or Dinwiddie or Levert foul out, who do you turn to? I feel like I have more faith in Brooklyn than I do in Golden State. I mean, it's understandable. I mean, their team's definitely not nearly as deep. They used to have Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala as the first two guys off the bench. Like, that's pretty pretty good company to have in terms of that. So, I mean, you can't really argue with it. It's just one of those, like I said beforehand, because I, I gave you your credits due. Like, you believed a lot in Miami, too, and that's that's one of the bigger wild cards in terms of this because a lot of people, including myself, kind of, like, didn't put them back in that top five just because – we want to see what they're going to do coming off of a finals loss. Cause you know, you can either embrace that or it can kind of knock things down. Maybe they mail it in until the free agency where they can go after Giannis and go about their business that way. The last thing that I kind of want to address in terms of you guys, before we get into like the closing stuff is you guys had one other thing that was glaring to me in terms of you guys' differences is Ryan had four teams in his top five that, are from the Eastern Conference. Tommy, you had four teams that came out of the Western Conference. Tommy, I'm going to start with you on this one. Do you feel like the NBA championship goes through the Western Conference? Do you feel as though this is another one of those years similar to like kind of when Golden State was running things? And now, of course, now the Lakers are in front after uh, the Toronto Raptors kind of interrupted the flow for a little while. Do you think that the NBA championship goes through the Western Conference, or do, do you do you feel that the the East genuinely has a shot at reclaiming the Larry O'Brien Trophy? I think the West is the better conference, definitely. But I do think, I mean, with my honorable mentions, I'd throw um, Milwaukee and Boston in there too. I mean, I. I don't really like Boston sports being from Baltimore, D.C. area because they always beat us. <laughs> but, I mean, Tatum is really good. Like, Cardiac, Kemba, they got Marcus Smart, who just hard-nosed basketball player. They've got some good guys, and I think they can really play. But I think the West is just better. I think it's not – as lopsided and one-sided as it was when the Warriors were running it. And I think, you know, Kawhi kind of going to the East, he kind of did like what LeBron would do. Like he was the guy in the East and he just kind of ran through it all. I think it's closer, but I still do think that it's the Western Conference that it's going to go through. I mean, oh, and Miami also honorable mention, but yeah, we still got to see like, how they react from that. Are they going to be down? Or are they just going to keep going with that heat culture, Jimmy Butler mentality and get right back in the gym and keep working for it? Cause you can get that close and you can either just be like, Oh, like we're not good enough. Or you can be like, we're that close. We just need a little bit more. So I, I want to see what they do. I like them a lot still, 
but yeah, they're an honorable mention for me. And I do think they help the case that the East is closer than it used to be, but I still think the West is just that much better. And Ryan, you, you and me have had a conversation beforehand where with John Wall coming back healthy for the Washington Wizards along with Bradley Beal, Detroit Pistons potentially getting Blake Griffin, who when healthy is a top 15 player in the league. The Orlando Magic are a team that have somehow been able to steal the bottom seeds just about every single year. We've discussed it where we feel as though the East is finally eight deep for the first time in a while. And your power rankings kind of reflect that you believe that the East is back, so to speak. So, like, what, what is it that has, that has you having so much belief in the Eastern Conference? And, like, do you think that they genuinely have a chance at being able to reclaim the Larry O'Brien trophy for their side? Or do you think that there's really just only one or two teams that really can snag it away coming from that side? I believe the East is the best it's ever been in probably about 20 years, I would say. Let's flash back 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yeah, the Knicks, who were a powerhouse, it just came off a finals appearance. The Toronto Raptors were an emerging threat with guys like Vince Carter. And then you have the Indiana Pacers, who were always a threat with guys like Reggie Miller. And then, of course, Miami was still a very good team back then with Alonzo Mourning and P.J. Brown, Jamal Mashburn. Charlotte, as well, was also becoming an emerging threat with guys like Baron Davis on their team. So I think... 20 years ago, the East was at its peak, I would say. I believe the East is returning to their peak now. Because if I look down the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn is a great team right now when healthy. Miami just came off a championship appearance when they weren't even slated to make the playoffs. Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee are always threats, and Milwaukee has the reigning MVP in Giannis. Then you also have the Philadelphia 76ers, who you never really know how good they're going to be. They are, they're kind of like the surprise team in the East. Indiana Pacers are always like a middle-of-the-pack playoff team. And then I would probably have to throw the Charlotte Hornets in there too, considering that they have a young core right now of Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington. Uh, they also have Terry Rozier on that team. I think that team is going to be emerging threat. And they also have the third overall pick in this year's draft. So – I think that's really my sleeper team, my other sleeper team in the East besides the Philadelphia 76ers. Other teams like Atlanta, they have a lot of young talent. Detroit obviously didn't have a great year last year, but I think with Blake Griffin healthy, they could really do some damage in the East. I think there's just too many teams that have a lot of potential in the East. But then I flip it to the West where practically – 13 out of 15 teams have a chance to make the playoffs this year. And it's nuts considering that Phoenix was 8-0 in the bubble. Portland's always a threat. Dallas is emerging. Denver and Portland are going to be serious threats. Both Los Angeles teams are making the playoffs consistently now that they have stars. It's tough for me to believe that the Eastern Conference doesn't have a chance. I think the title still runs through the West just because there's a lot of great teams over there. But we can't really sleep on the East. I mean, to kind of close out your point, too, I think the funny part is maybe the, the point you were, you're, you're trying to make is they all got to beat up on each other before they even get to the finals. So by the time you're there, golly, I know I would be tired. Yeah. I don't care how much of a break you get. Because like, you're going to see somebody who's a problem 
every night. And like, that's the crazy thing about it. So, I mean, I think you both have good points. I found it really interesting just looking at both of you guys' things because I, I tried to, I think I was probably relatively balanced. I had two and three. You guys had it pretty flip-flopped, but I can see where you guys are coming from regardless. What was your top five, Jalen? So mine was the Lakers, Golden State, Brooklyn Nets at three. I had the Clippers at four and I had Boston at five. I think the one that I'm still kind of like iffy on is the Clippers, funny enough, but they're just a team that with the way they're constructed right now, I think if their their biggest issues had nothing to do with actual play and it had to do with what they, if it, if, or I'm going to take their word for it. Let me put it that way. I'm going to take their word for it that it had to do with chemistry issues. And I think a guy like Ty Lu can tap into that a little bit better in terms of being a player's coach. I think mm-hmm. having Chauncey Billups on the bench to help out with that is going to be pretty huge in terms of the coaching staff, because now Granted, Doc Rivers was a great player in his time, but I think they were kind of running on deaf ears in terms of him being in the locker room. And you have to remember, like, there was also a point, granted, like Kawhi and PG weren't here for this, but there was a point where Doc Rivers also wore both hats because he was he was a GM for them at one point, too. So I think it kind of just – the well just ran dry, and I think Ty Lue and Chauncey Billups gives them a different look. But they might be losing Montrez Harrell, and I feel like that could be a really big deal. Like, and Brian's made Brian's made the point uh, beforehand that he's probably going to have some suitors. So I think that's kind of like my biggest thing with them. But when you have Kawhi Leonard and PG on your team, granted, I'm a little down on PG like everybody is right now. I think when you have those two guys, regardless, though, when things are clicking, like you can't, I, I feel like we can't just like snub our nose at them either. You know what I mean? And my hot take that I had for uh, the last episode was that Montrose Harrell signs with Brooklyn. And I'm still keeping with that take. I believe Harrell signs with Brooklyn. They might have some money freed up because they might, because they got, they would have to decide between him and Joe Harris. But I mean, the analogy we made was that, I mean, reminds you of New Jersey Nets, Kenyon Martin a little bit. And like, that will be kind of dirty. But, Ryan, you know, to close up the podcast, we'll bring a guest on. I'm going to swing it to you because you already know what time it is. So I'm going to let you do your thing. All right. Well, Tommy, uh, I'm sorry we had to do this to you again, but we hit, we're hitting you with another surprise question. Um, <laughs> so we did a Jersey wishlist episode a couple months ago, and we, we listed our top five jerseys that we wish we had but we don't have right now. What is one jersey that you wish you had but you don't have right now? Any player, any variant. It could be Ooh. from any year. And you can name two or three if it's too difficult. We've been letting people slide because we had to get, we had to pick five, and Brian had like twenty honorable mentions on that episode. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm a big Jersey guy. I have a lot. <laughs> so one I was looking for that I found was uh, well, I was looking for a uh, Nuggets rainbow Carmelo jersey, and I found one online. But one of my friends had an Allen Iverson one that he got at like a thrift store for a couple bucks. And he was like, I don't wear it. Like you can just have this one. So I have a rainbow AI one. So then I didn't need to get the rainbow Carmelo one. My first Jersey was a Kobe Jersey, but it was like not stitched. And obviously it doesn't fit me anymore. So I've been, I've been wanting to get another Kobe Jersey. I want to get 24 because that was more like my era. Like when I was really getting into basketball, he had made the switch but I want to get it like 
kind of like the ones they have now, like the throwback where like you can see like the gap and like the overlap with the letters. So that would be probably number one. That's at the top of my list. Um, throwing it back a couple of years, I kind of want to get a uh, Jarius Lyles UMBC jersey Ooh, from wee. when they beat <laughs> UVA. Because uh, my aunt went to UVA and like we had a big bet on that game. And I just think he's he's a cool player. I mean, he never really got his chance after that. But that was just a legendary run that they had. See, I, I know if I like look on my notes section, I have like a bunch of jerseys. Like I have a list <laughs> of all the jerseys I want to get. Um, I... I want to get a Raptors, like purple Raptors with the Raptor on the front. Uh, I looked at it for a while, and I wanted to get a DeMar DeRozan one of that, even though it like, wasn't really the right era. I just like DeRozan. I'm a big mid-range guy. He's got that mid-range shot on lock. But, I mean, I feel like you can't not get a T-Mac jersey if you get oh, that style of Raptors jersey. So that's definitely on my list, too. And I'll cut it with one more. Uh, I mean, uh, the throwback John Morant Grizzlies jerseys. I guess they're not really throwback because they brought them back now. But either like Mike Bibby throwback Vancouver or the new like teal John Morant one because he's going to be a star. <laughs> yes, sir. I got two of those. I'm a, so, so Ryan, I'm a, after we get off the podcast, I'm a plug you talk, Tommy. I found somebody who got some heat for the cheap too. And it's okay. authentic. It take a minute to ship, but once they get here, bro, a one. So we'll, we'll talk, yeah. we'll talk off camera about it though. But <laughs> Sounds yeah, good bro. to me. Yes, sir. Before we get to the question of the day, Jalen, let's, Let's tell the people where we can find these jerseys. I mean, I mean, you said you got jerseys at low price. Oh, man. So a sh- shout out to Jersey Frost on Instagram. They're the first people, obviously, that come to mind. I got some other some other heat, too. Got to probably go through the uh, the archives a little bit. I got a little bit of a cart going. Oh, man. Uh, probably plug it in the description, to be honest, for the episode, just because I'd have to pull it up. But... We got a couple of places, bro. Like I said, we got we got a couple of places we gonna have to put you guys on to for sure. Love Can't keep jersey. asking this question about giving without giving y'all a chance to go get that dream jersey for sure. So Tommy, do you have anything to promote? Do you have any social media you want to promote? Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. I tweet about basketball sometimes and other sports. It's a uh, at the real TP, but real is R34L because the real TP was taken. <laughs> I guess I'm not the real TP. <laughs> um, no, I mean, <laughs> no, nothing really. Mixtape coming soon, though. No, <laughs> Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans going into the 2021 season. Which conference do you think will be better, the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. I want to thank our guest, Tommy Parker, for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I would love to come on again if you guys would like to have me and talk about a little more than just the Trailblazers, but that's probably my strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you can always find us on Apple 
And of course, when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcasts. Thank you guys. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.